Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. How's the church fam doing? Everybody doing good this morning? What a beautiful time of worship. Thank you, Lord. I just want to give a shout out to the keyboard player. He did a good job. I... <laughs> uh, I got put on keyboard duty today, so it was a blessing to be able to do that, back the team up. and uh, So we're launching our series, Let Love Rain. And how many already have a sweatshirt? Come on, how many already have a hoodie? We had a lot of pre-orders. Make sure you get it. Uh, it's a great, great sweatshirt. Good deal. Um, so we're going to be talking about the, the kingdom reign of God. How many hear a lot of talk about the kingdom you know, you hear it in the church, like, well, we shouldn't have a church mindset. We should have a kingdom mindset. And we have, like, what does that even mean? Is church mindset bad? And, like, do we really know what the kingdom of God is? Um, you know, sometimes I think we confuse it with uh, uh, building an empire or we confuse it with an agenda in the realm of politics and government. And I want to talk to you today about the kingdom reign of God. Does that sound fun? We're going to open up uh, the text this morning uh, in Luke chapter 17, and we're going to be reading a couple verses in the New Living Translation. Thank you, Lord. Verse, seven, uh, verse 20 and 21, Luke chapter 17. By the way, if you haven't downloaded our app, you should do that because you can take sermon notes on our app. Who's downloaded our app? Raise your hand. Who hasn't? I'm calling you out right now. Download the app. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, there's a, a place where you can do, you know, sermon notes and save them to your phone. Share them with your friend that missed church. <laughs> Even if they're watching online, you'd be like, I was there. It's better there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we want you to download that. We're going to, from time to time, send, uh, you know, videos out. And, and, you know, you'll get notifications and special announcements. So if you want to be part of the inner circle, you need to download the app. Amen. Uh, that's not manipulation at all, is it? Before I jump in this, I forgot. Guys, I'm a little scatterbrained right now. Sorry. Um, it's Valentine's Day. So I just want to say happy Valentine's Day to my bride. You're so beautiful. And I'm so blessed to have you as my wife. And our first date, official date, was how many years ago? 22 years ago was our official first date, February 14th. Today, 22 years ago. Do you remember that? You liked me, huh? I liked you too. I couldn't stop looking into your eyes. And uh, man, I'm just blessed. And, and I want to say happy Valentine's Day to uh, my daughters. And uh, um, man, it's just a good day to be alive. Amen. It's a good day to be in love with Jesus. Amen. And I think Jesus is saying happy Valentine's Day to the bride of Christ. Amen. So if you listen closely, his love will bless you too. Amen. All right, let's read it. It's kind of hard to read scripture after that. All right. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. One day, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? That's my Pharisee voice. Jesus replied, the kingdom cannot be detected by visible signs, 
You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Wow. The kingdom of God is in your midst. Or the kingdom of God is within you. It can be translated either way. Jesus says you're not going to see it the way you think you're going to see it. You know, when the Pharisees asked a question, they had their own worldview that they're asking from. They thought the Messiah was going to come in a different way. And so maybe they're asking from that angle. There's probably a lot of different ways to look at this verse, but let's dive into it. Can you pray with me real quick? Father, thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you for what you're doing right here in the great city of Rochester, New York. I thank you for Encounter Church, and I thank you for the people of God. Every saint, Lord, that's been here and served, every pillar, even the hidden pillars, Lord, that are that are holding up this place in their prayers and in their serving and loving and giving. And thank you for the new saints that you've added to this church. You are raising up an army. And Lord, we are your people and we are created to advance your kingdom. So I pray that you would just speak to us through your word. We open our hearts to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Can we just give God a big shout and a clap? Come on. Hallelujah. So, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about this verse, and um, a lot of times in my Christian life, I, I, ex- I expected, you know, like I, I think it was almost like I, in, in my presumption, I thought that what was happening, an activity or a thing or, you know, like I go to church, that's the kingdom of God. Or, you know, how many, uh, how many have ever lost something and then you found it and it was right in front of your face? Yeah. You ever had that? How many of you have ever been looking for your glasses? I don't wear glasses. I probably should. But how many have ever been looking for your glasses? And you're like, where are my glasses? It's like, dude, they're on your face. <laughs> how many have an anointing to find things? No, it's a gift. I'm telling you. You got the finder's anointing. Yeah. You know, uh, Harold Eberly tells a story how his wife has a finder's anointing, and she says this every time. Don't look where it's hiding. Look where it is. Take that phrase and use it next time you lose something. Have you ever been looking for something, though, in all the wrong places? No, I'm just kidding. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love. Till I found my bride, Rochelle. Uh, never mind, sorry. Have you ever been looking for stuff, looking for something, and you look everywhere and you can't find it, then you realize it's right there in front of you? I think it's very similar with the kingdom of God. Uh, there's one time, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, we were, I think we were at like an amusement park in Las Vegas, and uh, Josiah at the time was probably like, I don't know, four, five. And you were so cute, Bubba. And you still are. But when you were little, you, you loved to play with, like, swords. And you were like, little warrior, sure, you don't want to play with swords. And so you would disappear at all the little, you know, all the little places where they had toys and stuff, you know, especially if they're toys that are like that. And, and for a minute, we lost Josiah. Talk about, like, a search party, right? We were like, have you ever had a moment where you're like, where's my kid? Um, and Josiah had the tendency to kind of like just walk behind us about 10 feet. It's like you ever see the, the, the you know, typical picture of like a, a duck 
and then all the babies. And then there's that one that's back there just taking a sweet time. That's Josiah. He's the cute little duck that's in, in the back. And so we're walking through the amusement park, and we're like, where's Josiah? And immediately, his older brother, I'll go here. Sarah, you go there. And, like, I love the, David's heart right in the moment. And then fierce mama's like, shakarabato, so yeah, pulling her antennas up and angels, you know. And we look and we look and we look. And then guess what? He was literally like, what, 10 feet from us over by the swords, playing swords. He was there the whole time. I think it's the same thing with the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we, uh, we feel like it's, it's this thing, whatever that thing is, but it's really right here in front of us. And we have to have eyes to see what the kingdom is. And we need to know what the kingdom of God is. And we're going to talk about that. And the Pharisees are asking Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Well, first of all, how many know that we're not waiting for the kingdom to come? How many know the kingdom is here? The kingdom is now and the kingdom is coming. It's, it's, it's building. It's growing. Matthew 13, says the kingdom of God is like a little seed and it grows into a huge tree. It's like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like dough. Uh, you know, it's like leaven in a measure of dough and it permeates all. How many of the kingdom of God's permeating the earth? It has been for 2000 years. When the king showed up in a manger, the kingdom showed up. And it's interesting because they're like, when is the kingdom of come? Jesus says, it can't be detected by visible signs. In the Greek, it would be like, it can't be detected by your speculations. You know, we have our speculations about things, the way that we think and the way that, and I, and I just want to say this, that I think Christians need to get over the, the, the confusion of confusing a nation's reign with the kingdom of God. I'm going to say it. Some of you might not like it. Some of you all might say amen, but later on, you'll thank me for it. Because one of the reasons we're not advancing the kingdom is because we're putting too much trust and faith in kings and rulers and not the king of kings and the ruler of rulers. That's not to say that God doesn't want to raise up good leaders and have good laws. How many know we need laws? I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about laws in the land. Why? Because there's lawlessness. Good laws are good. But there is an overcorrection, I think, on both sides. You have some people that... They confuse their nation, their government, with the kingdom of God. That's a big mistake. Because when things don't work out, we step back and we shrink back and we realize that God's still waiting on us to advance the kingdom. Instead of us, I'm going to say it, voting every four years or every two years expecting change. The change doesn't begin in the White House, it begins in your house. You see, the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Let it sink in your heart. Marinate in it. And begin to pray and say, God, have I been looking for the kingdom with an expectation that is wrong? Have I been with my speculations waiting for the kingdom of God? And maybe, maybe just maybe, how I think the kingdom's going to come isn't quite right. It might be like in part, but it's possible that we're missing it. Maybe the, kingdom's God, the kingdom is right there in front of us. Well, what does that mean? What does Jesus mean? The kingdom of God is within you. Everyone's heard it, right? So I think that we've even overcorrected that. Well, the kingdom of God's in me. It's like, you know, we get, we're very arrogant sometimes as Christians, right? 
Well, I am the church. No, you're not. We are the church. And I think the same thing with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, yeah, it's within us. Yeah, it's among us. But what was Jesus saying? Here's what I believe Jesus was saying. And I want to take you on a little journey here and look at it. Jesus was saying, the kingdom of God is in your midst because the king is standing right in front of you. You see, where Jesus is and where Jesus manifests, the reign of his love manifests. Because the kingdom of God is the reign of his love, the king's domain. See, the power of the kingdom, the demonstration, you all hear me this morning, the demonstration, the activity of the kingdom is released in the presence of a person. His name is Jesus. So if we're the body of Christ, we're the church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. If we are a healthy church, then we're being the church, then we are about the Father's business, which means the activity that we do is releasing the kingdom of God in the earth. Because we have keys. We're opening doors that cannot be opened, and we're closing doors that cannot be shut. Right? Or the other way around. Whatever. You know what I meant. Praise God. Y'all know the scripture. We have authority to open the doors that need to be opened. And we have authority to close the ones that need to be closed. But don't get too confused about a government and his government. Because his government reigns over all the other governments. And I think sometimes we might idolize a nation or a ruler We might put a little too much faith in a system rather than the kingdom of God, the reign of his love. What if we just focused on, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come? And what does that mean? That means manifest Jesus. See, the Pharisees in their time, they're looking for the kingdom to come in their rulership. They wanted their system to align with, so they wanted the Messiah to come up and rule and reign and take over the Roman Empire Hello? Sounds a little familiar. I don't know. But what if God wants to do it another way? What if, because he's not a coercive God, what if he wants to cause a revolution of love that turns the heart? That's not to say that we shouldn't vote. That's not to say we shouldn't pray for our leaders. The Bible commands that. That's not to say we shouldn't hope and pray and even try to influence the political realm or any other realm, for that matter, with releasing the kingdom of God. But we cannot get it confused because in the end, there is a difference. The kingdom is over everything else. And when we manifest Jesus, what are we manifesting? Love. If you want to build the, king, you want to build the church and you want to see the kingdom advance, love. That's all it takes. Church is edified in love. And the kingdom reign is the reign of his love. And love isn't just this passive thing. Well, you just have to love everyone. <laughs> Let's all get along. Let's affirm everything. No, 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 no. That's not love. Love is powerful, man. Love sometimes gets in your face and says, yo, quit this. Yav is, uh, yav. Love is just. Yav is holy. No, I don't know why. <laughs> love is, is a powerful, active, transforming force of heaven. Love isn't just this passive thing like, I love you, so I'm just going to be quiet. How many know that sometimes love means I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to stand up for righteousness? Love isn't just, you know, like sometimes, yeah, love accepts. Love 
brings healing and wholeness. Love surrounds. Sometimes love is quiet, but sometimes love corrects, protects. Sometimes love says no, an emphatic no. The type of no that comes from the heart of God, the love of God, the love of the Father, that's an extension of, like, the wrath of God is an extension of the love of the Father. God's wrath is his emphatic no to sin because of what it does to his children. His wrath is an extension of his love because God is love. And he doesn't have another side called wrath. God is love. This is the historical Orthodox Church for 2,000 years. This is 1 John 4, 8. God is love. There's only two axiomatic statements in the entire Bible. Uh, well, actually three, but one is more about the location of God in the spirit realm. That's John 4, God is spirit. But it's God is love and God is light. In the entire New Testament, rather, there's only two axiomatic statements. Self-revealing evident truths about God. God is love and God is light. There is no wrath side of God. We don't worship a pagan deity. He settled that in the revelation of Jesus. This archaic religious idea that he's some Janus-faced God and one minute he's full of love and the next minute he's going to judge America and everybody's going to die. Stop that. Nonsense. But a revolution of love means sometimes it's a loud no. It's a grieving. It's a quenching of the Spirit. And the people of God, when we capture the heart of love for humanity, we manifest the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is answering the question and saying, just open your eyes, guys. The king is right here, therefore the kingdom is in your midst. So if we want to advance the kingdom of God, manifest Jesus. So what does that look like? Well, that's a good question. What does it look like in your sphere? What does it look like in your metron? What does that look like in your company on the job? What does that look like in your family? I I love going through the scripture and reading about the kingdom of God. I want to read Isaiah 16.5 in the message. This is powerful. Check this out. Y'all ready? I hope y'all are enjoying this so far. A new government of love will be established in the venerable David tradition. A ruler you can depend on. Oh, that's good. Who's this talking about? Shout it out if you know. It's okay. It's a messianic prophecy, right? A ruler you can depend on. Say, depend on. And he will head this government. Who's the head of the church? Who's the head? Who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? And the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our God. They're bowing. But it doesn't happen through coercion. It doesn't happen the same way that sometimes we want it to happen. It doesn't happen the same way a lot of nations try to make it happen. By force. It happens by love. He draws us with his loving kindness. He manifests his presence and he brings freedom to the captives. And the kingdom of God manifests the reign of God, the reign of his love. A ruler we can depend on, a ruler who will head this thing. Look at the next one. A ruler, what does it say? Is it on the screen? Let's try it again. A ruler that is what? Passionate for justice. Passionate for justice. The question is, what is justice? Is it social justice? Well, that might be a facet of it. But I will say this, that justice is not just 
an eye for an eye. Matter of fact, that's the old covenant version of justice. Sometimes justice is radical forgiveness. Justice is setting things right. Justice is restoration, not retribution. Wow. See, we have actually swapped out the gospel of the kingdom with a, a fruit of the gospel, and we call it social justice. It's so much bigger than that. Because social justice will temporarily seem to solve something, but the gospel of the kingdom causes hearts to bow to the king and the reign of his love to bring reconciliation and restoration. You could have social justice without restoration, without repentance, without restoration, or reconciliation, and without restoration. You could try to make things right by eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but is that ultimately the heart of the king for humanity? You see, the kingdom of God is much broader. Justice, a ruler passionate for justice. You think about in the life of Jesus, you know who's passionate for justice in the way that we usually think? Jesus Barabbas. But Jesus had another way. He was going to lay his life down and magnify his love for humanity and say, I forgive you. When Jesus manifests his love, he releases the reign of his kingdom. Next, a ruler quick to set things right. Wow, restoration. That's what I want. I want to see repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. What is the kingdom? Maybe we've postured ourselves kind of like these Pharisees. I think we all have to one degree or another, and I think sometimes our version of Christian kingdom Christian dome. I think sometimes we ask these questions and we're still waiting. When is the kingdom going to come? Lord, Jesus is like, it's right here. It's in your midst. To the degree that you love, to the degree that you do what I've created you to do. Read through the Gospels. I have a definition. If you could put the slide up, check this out. This is a definition of the kingdom of God. Are you all ready? I'm glad three of you are ready. I said, are you all ready? Look at this. The kingdom of God, the reign of heaven that brings God's abounding, thriving, innovative, creative, peaceful, healing, loving order to a world of disorder and brokenness. That makes me want to dance. Isn't that profound? I didn't come up with that all by myself. I gleaned from here and there. But look, let's read it again. The kingdom of God, say it out loud with me. Come on. The reign of heaven that brings God's abounding, thriving, innovative, creative, peaceful, healing, loving order to a world of disorder and brokenness. That's the kingdom. I want to manifest the kingdom and, and the activity and the demonstration and the power of the kingdom is released by the presence of the king. Amen. This is why the church is being fitly framed together to be a dwelling place for God and the spirit because a church that prioritizes the presence of God will walk in the activity of the kingdom. Yeah. And the kingdom can't be confused with the church. The church is the people of God. The kingdom is the reign of God that's within and outside the church. But I've heard a trend in the church. I've heard many people say, like, well, we have to have a kingdom mindset, not a church mindset. If you have a healthy church mindset, you'll have a kingdom mindset. And if you have a kingdom mindset, 
you won't discount Jesus building his church because it's one of the things he said based on the revelation that Peter had. Who do you say that I am in Matthew 16? He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus is like, the father revealed that to you. You didn't make that up. And he says, I'm going to build my church. And what? The power of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, when we have a kingdom mindset, like our hearts and minds are yielded to the, the reign of the kingdom, then we will be for the church being built in the earth. You, you understand what I'm saying? But have you ever heard the language, though, where we've opposed the church and the kingdom? No, God is for his people. It's silly. God is for his people. He's about the church. He loves this church. He, Jesus loves his bride. We're the body of Christ. And we have the keys to the kingdom. So the kingdom and the church are not the same thing. But Jesus is doing two things right now. He's building his church and he's advancing his kingdom. And if we want to help, love and love. Read through the scriptures. The body is edified by love. The kingdom is a government of love. Romans 4, uh, 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Dang it. Because sometimes I'm eating really good food and I'm like, this is the kingdom of God. This morning I made a Keurig coffee. <clears throat> I didn't like it. But Josiah wasn't here yet. And I'm, I had just made it and I looked on the video camera, the surveillance cameras, I saw Josiah walking in and I'm like, I missed the kingdom. Then he comes in. He's like, I text you. I said, I'd be here to make you a pour over. I'm like, dang it, I didn't see it. Okay. The kingdom of God, of course, Paul's talking about something else. But the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. But look, what is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I said it, King James. Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God look like in your home? Righteousness, peace, and joy. What does the kingdom of God look like? In the world, righteousness, peace, and joy, right? Standing with God, peace, his shalom, his divine order to bring God's creative, thriving, innovative healing to a world of disorder. It's his shalom, and it looks like joy. It looks like joy. Come on. Jesus preached the kingdom of God, but he didn't just make the declaration. He actually demonstrated it. I think as Christians, the same way we get the, the kingdom and our nation and all that confused, because God has a covenant with us, right? I was talking to my wife. I was meditating on some things yesterday, and she was saying she was listening to this podcast, and I'm like, I was literally just thinking about this yesterday, about how the church sometimes have an, has an over-realized eschatology. In other words, we, we consider it all done, in the sense, but how many know that Jesus is physically returning? It is part of the Christian hope. And sometimes our over-realized eschatology is actually Gnosticism. In other words, we've discounted the natural realm. We've discounted and we've called it like, you know, it's, it's almost like, well, yeah, that'll happen, but in, in another realm almost. But how many know that's not reality? The kingdom is demonstrated. It's not just talk. It's not just us coming together and praying. What does the kingdom look like demonstrated in the world? Well, it looks like Jesus. What did Jesus do? When I think about the kingdom of God, Jesus preached the kingdom of God. And then he demonstrated it. The woman at the well. 
The Bible says he had to go through Samaria. Why? Because he had to meet this woman. Can I tell you that when you choose to love, an appointment will turn into a divine appointment? He's building his church. He's advancing his kingdom. What happened? The woman at the well wasn't just this Samaritan adulteress. We don't even know. The Bible doesn't even say that. The Bible just says she had five husbands. What if all her husbands divorced her? What if she was rejected over and over and over again? Well, the Bible says that the one you're with is not your husband. With in the Greek could also be translated engaged to. What if this woman was broken and Jesus just came because he had the proverbial shoe to fit her foot? He's saying, yeah, I know you've been rejected five times, possibly. Don't want to conjecture one way or another. But, and the one that engaged to you but hasn't set a date yet, I see your pain. And I choose you. See, when you look through the Gospels, you see the kingdom of God manifest. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed. Come on, he sent his disciples out saying, go, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, preach the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's the reign of his love. It's the reign that brings God's healing, God's abounding, thriving, innovative, creative, peaceful, healing, loving order to a world of disorder and brokenness. Matthew 19, 14, let the children come to me for such is the kingdom of God. The disciples are shooing away the kids. Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand. Let them come to me and let me embrace them and bless them. Why? Because the kingdom looks like fathering. Come on. The kingdom looks like love. The kingdom looks like relationship. The kingdom looks like believing in the next generation. Woo! Because when you see Jesus doing his thing, you see the kingdom reign manifest. So if we want to manifest the reign of heaven, let's just do what Jesus did. Let's get his heart for humanity and let's go for it. And God wants us to advance his kingdom. John chapter 8, you all know the story. It's titled many times, you know, in in the caption or in the thought in our Bibles, woman caught in the act of adultery. I think it should be titled, Men Caught Throwing Rocks. And Jesus interrupted their legal system with love. Jesus interrupted an empire with the kingdom. Whoa, hold, hold your horses here, Pharisees. What's going on? She was caught in adultery. The law says she should be stoned. Move out of the way, Jesus. What does Jesus say? Okay, if you don't have any sin, go for it. From the oldest to the youngest, they leave. Jesus stoops down and writes. Wow. Some commentaries say it was almost like forbidden because it was like only God wrote the law to write in the ground. It was a picture of like the Ten Commandments, writing the stone. But Jesus, maybe... Maybe it had something to do with that. Maybe he was rewriting her history through the reign of love. And then Jesus looks at her and says, where are your condemners? They're not here. She looks up at him. Can you imagine when she looks into his eyes? I bet she saw fire. A fiery love. She saw the kingdom. 
because she's looking at the king. And then Jesus says, your condemners aren't here. I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. I'd love to unpack these stories more. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Zacchaeus. <laughs> Before I was uh, like a church-going believer, I visited a couple churches. I was Catholic, and I remember I went to this one church, and the Sunday school teacher, I was a very shy, quiet kid, and the Sunday school teacher was like, oh, we have a new young boy here today, children. And I'm just like, is she talking about me? It's my first time at the church. She's like, let's sing him the Zacchaeus song. Because his name, his name is Zach. I think this came up in my sozo. So then all the children, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. Come on. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Cowardly lion. Okay. The story of Zacchaeus is incredible, though. You know why? Because he was short. No, it has nothing to do with that. He climbed up. Listen, check this out. I've never heard this before. He climbed up to see Jesus. Amen. <laughs> when you see the king... You're looking at the manifestation of the kingdom. You just look for him. Jesus is like, Zacchaeus, come down. You know what Zacchaeus means, his name? It means pure and innocent. Jesus telling him to get out of the tree was saying, come down from that false identity and be who you were created to be. Live up to your name. And all Jesus had to say was, did he say, repent you wicked chief tax collector and give everything you can pay back five times. No, did he say any of that? No, he said, I'm going to your house. We're going to have dinner. I'm going to sit at your table. Why? Because love looks, the kingdom of God looks like sitting at a table drinking wine and feasting together and hearts reconciled. And the very presence of Jesus, come on, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, manifested kingdom reign. Zacchaeus immediately is like, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm changing, I'm repenting. It was the goodness of God. It was the goodness of seeing the king and his kingdom that brought Zacchaeus a revolution. That's the kingdom. Amen? It's 1034. I'm done. Can we stand together? May we get a greater revelation of the kingdom and what the kingdom of God is as a people. And if we, if we capture it, we can change the world. Uh, I'm, I'm still learning what the kingdom of God is, you know. Like, what does it look like in my home? What does it look like in a church? What does it look like in the way that we demonstrate it in our sphere so as a people I would say it would be good for us to just pray your kingdom come your will be done as we yield our hearts to the Father and begin to just live it out radically the reign of his love 
I want to read it one more time. The kingdom of God is the reign of heaven that brings God's abounding, thriving, innovative, creative, peaceful, healing, loving order to a world of disorder and brokenness. Can we say that together? The kingdom of God, the reign of heaven that brings God's abounding, thriving, innovative, creative, peaceful, healing, loving order to a world of disorder and brokenness. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people, and I just pray a a blessing upon them. I love them, and um, you love us so much. And you're, you're teaching your church, Jesus, you're loving your bride to life so that we could sing and resound the love of God in the earth and manifest this reign of love to the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Can we give God a shout of praise? Honey, would you come up? Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.